0: Welcome back, episode 8, kicking it with the grid. We got your guys here, Trevor. You got Blake, you got me, Brendan. We're covering week two games tonight. Obviously, we had a lot happen. It was a big weekend in football. We had some upsets, we had some we had some battles, we had some blowouts. The usual weekend in sports. I mean, it is what it is. We also had some really big news go down. <laughs> In the in the late hours of the night last night, and uh, oh man, Michigan State, Mel Tucker, old Seven L Mel, is what what they're calling him, uh, at least out of Ann Arbor, that's what we were calling him. He just got in deep trouble, and he has been in deep trouble, but it just came to light that he's had a sexual harassment claim come against him, and it, it's it's come to a head. He's he's suspended. And the word from the athletic director uh, at Michigan State and the department is that he has coached his last game at Michigan State. They're going to try to work his buyout, uh, you know, because they paid him so much money. They're just going through formalities right now with Title IX, and then they're going to can him. I mean, what a turn of events overnight. You know, he just coached a game like it was nothing. You know, he's doing his little chop on the sideline like everything's fine. Uh, so that we're going to break down into that. I know Trevor's got a little bit more information on that that he can cover. Obviously, AP poll came out. We're going to have movers and losers. We had Alabama, Texas, huge game of the weekend. We're going to get some uh, inside Bama information on that one. And, yeah, we're just going to go over all the games from week two. It was a fun weekend. So, Trevor, if you want, kick us off with, with some of that Mel Tucker news, man, because, I mean, it's just one, is. Like what's what the hell's wrong with this guy you know he's he, obviously he's married
1: I'm no psychologist <laughs> but <I> just <laughs> but I think something's messed up in his head but anyway whatever because look <laughs> at this point if you're a head coach of a division one program in the Big Ten SEC or anything other, You are expected to act act a certain way and conduct yourself in a certain way. This is not it. And in today's world, I feel like a head coach of a football team should kind of know that putting yourself out there kind of like that leaves you wide open for all sorts of bad things to happen. But he's admitted to it. He admitted to exposing himself to a woman on this video chat. What I've read up to this point is that he's suspended without pay, like you said, Brennan, that they don't intend to bring him back. And his buyout as of right now would be $70 million if they fired him just as is right now. Because as of right now, it is just an accusation. So he, if they fired him right now, it would be fired without cause. So therefore, he would be due the whole $70 million. But if they go through the investigation and they're – validity to it, which I believe there is, then he could be fired for cause, which would nullify most of his buyout, I believe. I don't know the the particulars of his contract, but from what I've read and what I've, what I've heard on different news agencies, his contract, if it's with, for cause, he basically nullifies most of the buyout. So what we know at this point in time is that, one, the assistant head coach will be taking over along with special assistant Mark D'Antonio will be coming in to help out with the team, which I think honestly is a smart move from Michigan State's point of view because Mark D'Antonio is above reproach as far as I'm concerned, as far as a guy that I respect personally. I think he conducts himself in a way that you expect a head coach to conduct himself. So I think that's a good decision uh, by Michigan State's uh, point of view. And that's pretty uh, honestly that's pretty much it right now they are going through the motions they did in December this this allegation came to light December 2022 they Michigan state immediately brought in a third third party investigator and in July the third party investigator went to MSU's leadership and recommended a formal hearing. what that means I'm not sure but the hearing is set for October of this year so next month is the hearing so we will this is an ongoing thing we will see what comes of it but as of now it's is like we said it's just a suspension without pay and not an an official firing but pretty much everybody knows when you're suspended without pay it's just the first step and this the next step is you're you're gone
0: yeah and on mel's side he you know he says it was consensual acts between two adults and you know, we're not going to get into the weeds on all of it on here. You can go look it up yourself on, on any platform or any uh, website. But, I mean, it, again, he should know better. It, and it's, it's Brenda Tracy, too. She's a, a sharp advocate. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, sharp. It's sexual harassment and rape prevention. It's a big thing in the Army, obviously. But, I mean, you're going you're gonna to do this <laughs> with somebody that you're paid to. Have talked to your school. About not committing these acts. I just, it's insanity to me. And, uh, you know, obviously they acted on it quickly once people found out about it, but you, I feel like it probably should have been released a little bit sooner. And he probably shouldn't even coach the game this year. But again, you guys go look at this. Uh, that That's not on yours. We're not going to get in the weeds. We are going to move on though, and we're going to talk about AP poll. And we had some movers, we had the losers. There's always losers. When you have movers, it's just how it happens. It's just what happens. It's it's life. The first mover, though, we got Texas. They jumped up pretty decent. Obviously, they had a good game. They had a great win, top ten win. So they're going to move up. They're up into number four now. You got Ole Miss moved up. They had a, a top twenty five win. Yeah, Tulane. They were without their their starting quarterback, but they still had a top twenty five win at the time, and uh, they had, they had a good had a good weekend. They they made up for it in the second half. And everybody's favorite team now, uh, Colorado. They moved up again. They're they're making moves in this AP poll. Everybody's seeing them. They're liking them. They love Shadur Sanders. He's getting Heisman height, rightfully so. He's putting up great numbers. On the loser end, though, UNC dropping spots. It's because even, even though they won a game, they're two and zero. It's because they look trash. They they just don't look good. I mean, parts of them do look good. I'll say that, but you're still. Week one, okay, yeah, they had nine sacks, but South Carolina's offensive line is horrible. Then this weekend they get a shootout with App State. They had to go to double overtime, and we'll get into that game later. But still, they're a loser. They dropped spots. Clemson out of the top twenty-five. Sorry, guys. You, yeah, first weekend brutal. Lost to Duke. They had a, they they finally got it together uh, last week or this this weekend. Yeah, put up sixty-six points, but sorry. We got movers coming in. You're out. Texas AM, another loser. Sorry, guys. You had to prove it. And we we said that in our preseason talk. And, you know, we week one, we thought you guys looked better on offense. And I'll still say they still de- did decent on offense. Defensively, though, horrible. We'll get into it. Tulane, sorry, guys. Hey, hey that's, that's one. I, I can't really blame them. You're out. You're, you're starting quarterback. You're going to drop by the polls after a loss. It just is what it is. They got a chance to come back, though. In Wisconsin, guys, come on, man. Wisconsin, you got, got to figure it out. Got to figure out that run game because it's been it's been bad. But we're going to get into that as well. But, gentlemen, I, I think right now we're going to cover our picks that we had last weekend. It was rough for old Brendan here. <laughs> I had a rough weekend on my picks. Uh, but I did get my gridlock. so, you know, I'll you know, pat on my back for that. Even though we all got them, but I'm still going to say that Brendan did good. Uh, yes, I'm talking in third person because I can. Uh, so <laughs> totals for the for the weekend though on picks, it, it was not no bueno. I went two and four on my picks. Ah, yeah. I mean, I almost had the the uh, Texas Tech beating Oregon. I was so close, so close. Trevor went four and two. That's a good weekend. Good job, Trevor. Round of applause for you and Blake, the snake. He got five, five, five and one. I don't know how he does it. I think he's got, you know, he's back from the future or something. Uh, but yeah, it, overall Blake is 10 and four Trevor's eight and six and I am six and eight, but I'm the comeback kid. Don't worry about it. I will be back. Uh, <laughs> Gridlock though. We're all one and one on the season. We all drilled our gridlock this week. So good job, guys. Pretty proud of that one.
1: Who calls right. you the comeback kid? I mean, come on. Self no here calls right. you a comeback kid. Self anointed.
0: Come on. I you know, don't ask questions, all right? Hey, don't ask questions. <laughs> all right. Uh <laughs> but Trevor and I we, we drilled the Kansas win. We we just had that feeling. Kansas, yeah, it was a minus three, you know, they they had the the, the spread favor you know by three points but just it just felt like especially after week one what Illinois did Kansas had that all the way and then Blake with the bold pick I thought because it could go certainly go either way on this was Coogs over or Wisco drilled that pick so good job Blake and uh guys any talks on your picks you you're you feeling good I'm feeling horrible but I'm coming back anything from you guys
1: yeah, I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm never picking Texas A&M again, ever, again. That was horrendous, horrendous play calling, horrendous play by both line, both offense and defensive lines. They were getting gashed. They were get. Wagman was running for his life half the time. I was like, Wagman. I thought Wagman, the quarterback, played great. I thought he played really well, all things considered. But the he guy did. was running for his life. Every other position that you could think of was getting outplayed by Miami. Yeah. I I just it was very disappointing. And as far as the the Wisco game goes, like man, Wisco, Wisconsin, I'll tell you what. Y'all showed me that y'all just aren't ready for the Big Ten season because y'all are gonna get took. That's what that's the way I feel about wisconsin right now is that they are not prepared they got one more week and i think uh, yeah i think next week is their last week of non-conference and then they're getting into it and i don't personally think that they're ready
0: yeah i don't know blake anything on on your picks you're 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 leading the the charge here man you're killing do what i can
1: oh yeah do you have your do we have our
0: totals hey just you have our totals so far did you total it out (laughs) oh all right hey it's all right no, Blake. Blake is ten and four on the season. You are eight and six, Trevor, and I am six and eight. Okay.
1: Oh, oh that made me feel good. I just wanted to make you read it again. I'm not. That's at all. Uh,
0: you know. I kind of felt like that. I, I was like, I know he heard me. I know. You know, that's fine. That's fine. I, I deserve it. I deserve that. I'm in Spain without the S.
2: Well, uh Since we're gonna, we're hitting on, uh, sensories and the senses of the human body. He's talking about not hearing. Let's talk about vision and not being able to see, and let's just dive into Jalen Milroe in the Alabama-Texas game. It was like watching somebody play Madden with their TV off. The dude was blind as a bat. It was the toughest game I've ever had to watch as an Alabama fan. Watching our quarterback struggle like that, it it ate me up, man. Bro, you,
0: you killed me, man. I was <laughs> – I wasn't expecting the, that little intro into the game. That, but yeah, I mean, it, we have Ray Charles out there, man, slinging the run, and I, I've got some notes on him. But those those two interceptions were horrible, especially the one that that Millro through. They had two receivers going out on on it looked like out routes deep to the opposite sides of the field. They they had everybody else was in blocking. Milrow rolls to the right and he's staring down a safety right in the eye In the cornerback's trailing the receiver. He had nowhere to throw it and he just chucks it right to the safety. I'm like, what yeah. the hell? What are you doing? No, yeah. So, I, I don't know. Millrow's done. There was rumors I, I that
2: he was seen getting into a sleigh being pulled by reindeer because he was dropping presents all over the field. It was uh, – I've seen a lot of talk about the offensive line and – is there some blame there, maybe on some place? Sure, but when you have a quarterback that moves out of the pocket as soon as the ball is snapped, it makes it tough for the offensive line to block for that person. And he, he's got to trust his offensive line. And the times he stepped up in the pocket and allowed them to set up protection for him, he hit some deep balls and they were nice throws. He hit Jermaine Burton in the end zone on a. It was a beautiful pass. He hit Isaiah Bond on a deep ball, beautiful pass, and he had time and he stepped up in the pocket. But more often than not, he was running unnecessarily. I mean, when Kirk Herbstreit points it out live, I mean, that says something. All Texas had to do was run zone defense, and he was so confused. He had no idea what he was doing. He stared his receivers down. He was making throws based off pre-snap reads. He didn't watch plays develop. I mean, that was one of the picks right there. Uh, it was a little out route to the left hash. He snapped, took his three steps, and threw. Never even looked. Never tried to look off a defender. It just went, and it was picked. And he was throwing into triple coverage, literally Jermaine Burton at the left pylon doing jumping jacks, everything he can to get Melrose's attention, and never looked that direction. And throws into triple coverage to Isaiah Bond. I didn't understand it. I don't know why he wasn't pulled in the second quarter, it was awful. So let, let's keep
0: talking about Bama, and then we'll jump back through some of the other games. Obviously, it's the new the saga for for Melrose beginning now. This was their first test. Obviously, week one, Middle Tennessee. You can you can be off on your time. You can be an elite runner like he was against Texas, but it was the picks. It's the the lack of timing against the bigger schools against the faster defenses. Texas has speed. They have the athletes to make those plays. I'm not saying Texas is the best team in the country. We've, everybody's got flaws. It's just how it is. But as a quarterback in the SEC, in the Big Ten, you know, as a playoff contender, you have to be perfect on your timing by seconds, I mean, milliseconds. And he was off. Even on his, some of his deep throws, you'd see it. And it, it seemed like he was off on, on his depth. Uh, there was one, he had a, a receiver streaking. I don't, I can't re- remember the name of the receiver. But he was streaking deep, and the receiver had to turn around and fall on his back to catch the ball. If he had put it out another five yards, that's a walk-in touchdown. But, again, misplaced balls. Uh, multiple times where he would take a shot into multi-cover people. But it, he was locked on that receiver. Honestly, Alabama's lucky they didn't have another two, three interceptions. Uh, very lucky, especially at the end of the first half. When when he threw that ball and it got tipped in the end zone, there was a penalty that you know saved Texas you know touch from getting a touchdown on him because they tipped the ball. But still, you break down. You got penalties. You've got interceptions. That was the story for Alabama this week, and it was kind of the same way last last year. Not the interceptions so much, but the penalties. And obviously, you had Bryce Young then you know much more seasoned quarterback. But the penalties is still a problem. Alabama's got to get that fixed. Uh. Early on, it was a, a good field, uh, field position battle. You had a lot of back and forth, good punting games. Uh, you know, pinning people deep. Really, that that messed up Texas a lot. Was was some of the those punts pinned them in their, within their ten, so they they didn't have much uh, room for working. But still, Ewers found a way. He slung the ball. He was confident. He was cold blooded out there. He really didn't get phased. And Bama was getting at him. I mean, they he got popped a few times. Uh, but he, they still found a way. And every time Bama started answering back in the, the second half, Texas had an answer for them. I think the defense was just tired. They were out there a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's what I got in the game. Trevor, Blake, please go ahead. Well, I'm just
2: going to get it out of the way with giving credit to some of the Texas. Uh, I got to give it to their offensive line. We did it. We brought heat several times, five and six guys, and they was picking up the blitzes. We got to Ewers a couple of times and maybe affected his play a little bit. But for the most part, he went 24-38, 349, three touchdowns. They had six plays over 30 yards, and that we had no answer for it. We couldn't stop it. Uh, in the first half, we did pretty well against it. They didn't have too much of a rushing attack against us. But they they throw those quick outs to the slots, which is basically a rush. So, I mean, it's it's the same difference. But – we we had no answer for it, and they drew up the safeties and just burned us deep because we was playing those short passes. And, you know, flip it to Alabama, Texas, Bama made it easy on them. Uh, Milro's lack of accuracy, they was able to load the box. We couldn't get a run game going. Milro couldn't get a run game going. His rushes that are successful are based off of botched plays, fumbles, and then – The safeties will come up from Texas. The secondary starts paying attention to the fumbled snap. He picks it up and takes off to the outside with his speed or he hits somebody. He's a a very lucky quarterback. Uh, It's not going to be a successful season if he continues what he's doing. It's not going to be a successful season if he
1: is still the starting quarterback next week, period. I don't think I've seen a slower throwing motion in all of college football. It's quite slow. And Blake, I know you and I you mentioned it I think last week and a few other times when we talked about how how his throwing motion just looks off. It doesn't look right. And I watched that almost the entire game and I'll tell you what, it doesn't look right. It doesn't it doesn't even look like he's in the right throwing slot. He's like at a three-quarter arm throwing motion and it's like way way out away from his head. It's not a tight spiral most of the time. It's very I don't know. I don't think he's the right fit for Alabama in general. Um, second biggest note that I have about Alabama is that I think their secondary is completely and utterly suspect. I watched a few plays of many, actually probably three or four different plays that stick out in my mind where the corners just were in man and they just straight got beat. No, nope, No ifs or buts about it. Like dude literally was riding coattails of the Texas wide receivers, quite literally hanging on, hanging on to their jersey so he didn't run away. That's my biggest takeaways from Alabama. As far as I'm concerned, I think Texas is back as far as being officiated. If they can show consistency, I think that they are back. Quinn Ewers is playing like an NFL-ready quarterback as of right now, in my opinion. He looks way more of an NFL-style quarterback than Drake May does. Drake May's a joke. Drake May being a top, top top 10 pick is a joke. UNC is a joke. They do not look like they even do be, deserve to be in the conversation to be in the top 10 teams. That is just where I sit with that game. But, yeah, Milrow's got to go. I mean, at this point, you got to give one Buckner or the other – I forget the other kid's name, but Buckner's got to get a shot because he is way more experienced than Milrow is at this point. And I think that he might be at least a better game manager than Milroe is, which is by everything we know about Alabama, they have a staple of really good running backs, talented running backs that if you have somebody like a just a game manager, I'm trying to think of a name off the top of my head, but Greg McElroy. Yeah, Jake I, Coker. I, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Mackle, yes, absolutely. If he is anything like that kind of quarterback where if you can get 250 to 300 yards passing from him and a touchdown, the running back should be able to do the rest. And I think that's where they need to move to. I know that I know that all the pressers and everything like that, they were talking about doing more running, they didn't. And I think there was mostly a do before there was mostly reactionary to what Texas was doing and them flinging the ball around, which is what I mentioned last last episode about them having to spread the ball around and not do this not doing the back and forth with Alabama trying to go toe for toe and trying to start a running game because it ain't going to work most teams aren't talented enough and big enough and strong enough, have enough stamina to hang without an Alabama front, front seven or offensive line and just go toe to toe with them So I commend Texas on keeping to their game plan and not getting sucked in to an Alabama-style game. But I was disappointed in the play calling in general
2: for Alabama. I really didn't think a lot of the play calling was atrocious as much as it was just the lack of execution of the plays. Like I said, there was several. I mean, you can go back and watch almost any passing play and find somebody open on the film I mean, there was several times that I've seen him throw into coverage or roll out of the pocket and end up either running out of bounds or taking a sack. I mean, he took five sacks that game. and But if you watch the play, there's somebody open 10 yards down the field or somebody hit a little corner skirt and they're open and he just doesn't see them. You know, and I've, a lot of Bama fans got mad at my post last week after the Middle Tennessee game when I said that, He is a liability. All they were worried about was, oh, he ran the three touchdowns and threw the passes. He's the first Bama quarterback, whatever. But like I said, you can break all the records in the world, but if you don't get in the end zone, you're not going to win the game. And that was Middle Tennessee. It wasn't Texas. And they exposed Milrow, and I'm glad they did because people need to see it, and Alabama fans need to be more realistic with what we have. But about the running game – it's hard to establish a running game when there has to be a threat of a quarterback that is capable of making a throw downfield. Texas knew we did not have that. So, like I said earlier, they was able to load the box. We, we had no play action because there was no successful runs. They knew what we were doing. They backed us into a corner. They made us one-dimensional. There was nothing we could do. It didn't matter if we ran the ball at them. They knew it would be coming. We had no, We had no other options. And I think that is a lot of the reason he just went ahead and let Melrose finish out the game because that was the game plan and there was no sense in changing it because I I really don't know that it would have made a difference at that point because we were having to get in a shootout with Texas. So to throw a quarterback in a situation like that, it would have been a lot on somebody, but I still think it should have been tried. I think they should have pulled Melrose in the second quarter. And at least tried Ty Simpson or Buckner, either one, because I mean, Milro couldn't throw a magnet on a block of metal. I mean, it was—he's that bad. He's a glorified running back that can halfway throw a ball. It was—he's a one-read quarterback. If
1: his primary read isn't there, he freaks out. He panics if he does not even look at his second read, and he certainly doesn't look for his checkdowns or uh, his uh, safety outlets, usually Alabama has them all out there A running back off in the flat or uh, tight end sitting in the the empty zone in the middle of the field, whatever the case may be. He did not ever, and to your point, Blake, when he starts running, the guy has blinders. When he starts scrambling around, he does not keep his eyes down the field. He does not look for anyone trying to get open for him. He just assumes that he has to run and run for his life, and that's it. But most of the Alabama receivers, there, I, I you you'd have to correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Blake, but I'm pretty sure there's at least a couple receivers from last year that are kind of accustomed to dealing with a running quarterback. These there's some receivers that were a part of the team last year that know how to get open if there's a scramble drill. They have to try the other two. They're at the, they're at a point now where they're a one dimensional, and it's not
2: going to be a good in a good way. Yeah, all of our receivers yeah, that our started receivers. that game played last year. Corey Brooks he played last year. Jermaine Burton played last year. Isaiah Bond played last year. Kendrick Law played last year. So I mean, it's we've got plenty of people that played last year that that's not the problem we all know what the problem is and there's no beating around the bush milro is the issue and it caused the other issues to happen him rolling out of the pocket caused most of the offensive line breakdown it caused a lot of the holding penalties as well and then defensively we we did give up some big plays our secondary outside of uh on arnold he the whole I don't understand the holding things he was doing it was I mean it was mind boggling, but aside from him, McKinstry played a solid game. He had one play where he let a guy get away from him. Uh, Malachi Moore he played I thought he played really well. Our linebackers played really well. I think a lot of it just was we got tired. They was on the field a lot because Alabama could not sustain drives. We was we was three and out. We would get past midfield and you know penalties, push us back, have to punt. And then defensively, Texas, they ripped them. They was constantly in third and two, third and three, first down, third and two, first down. They got two or three fourth down conversions too. Just Bama could not get off the field. The defense was worn out. And then, that, like I said earlier too, the short passes to the sidelines, the side walks the safeties up. Boom, we get burned deep. I mean, uh, Sark had a great game plan for Bama, and we had no answers for it.
0: I was gonna point that out was the uh, the third down conversion rate was was really bad for Alabama, especially in the first half. And uh, Alabama just, or excuse me, Texas, they were able to make theirs. like you said they were in third and manageable. You know, they were they stayed on schedule. Um, but they, you know, Texas, I think, had it they had a couple opportunities to really blow that game open in the first half. Bama's defense, you know, hung on, but there was also drops from from Texas wide receivers. So moving forward, Texas needs to figure that out. Uh defensively, though, for Texas, yeah, they 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 knew that this game hinged on Milro, and we covered that last week, too. This is a game about Milro and how he will handle it. And sure enough. When they blitzed, because they stacked the box and they blitzed heavy. They went a lot of man, a little bit of zone, but a lot of man coverage. And they were like predicated on getting that pressure on him, getting in the backfield, blowing up the tackles, and seeing what Milrow was going to do. And sure enough, he would, because they'd get pressure. They'd they'd blow up the line. But Milrow, instead of stepping up, maybe maneuvering in the pocket, like you guys have alluded to, he immediately went out to the sides. And who's waiting for him out there? You got a, you got an edge defender coming in. You got a, a spy already on him. So that was that was just a rough game for Melrose. I don't think he's got it. I think Bama definitely needs to make that change. Last year, you saw that with Arkansas. Oh, they should have lost Arkansas. He got lucky on a run because he's a good runner. Miss tackles, you know, arm tackles. You can do that against. I don't know, maybe Arkansas. Like they barely got through last year. You can do it against the Vanderbilt, Missouri, Auburn this year because they're trash. We'll get into that later. But you cannot do it when you're playing Georgia. You cannot do it when you're playing Ohio State, Texas. You know, you, what happens if you play anybody, if you get somehow manage to get to the playoffs, if he still remains the quarterback? I don't see it happening for him. He needs. They need to make a change. And we, we'll see if they will. But I, I think, like, kind of what we talked about last night, Maybe it just wasn't worth putting in a new quarterback and screwing up their psyche. Because I know as Michigan fans, we've seen that before. It, it makes sense to put a new one in, but at the same time, maybe just save it. You, you're already in a battle. It could You guys could have won that game still after mistakes. But live to die another day. Live to fight another day. We'll see what happens with Alabama. They've got plenty of talent. They're still a very top-tier team. It's just uh, – you got to get a new quarterback in there and see who can who can work it because is not the deal. Blake, you got something else?
2: <laughs> that wasn't a conference game, so there is still a chance with a new quarterback was- if they if they come in and are successful, we can still run the table in the SEC, win the West. But I don't. I really don't see it happening. I think we've got we've got a lot of growing to do as a team, not just at quarterback. Our defense has a lot of growing to do. Our offensive line has a lot of growing to do. But I do think we've got a better opportunity to get there with a different quarterback. If Milrose stays the starter, this will be a seven or eight-win season, if that. I think what, there is an, a chance we could lose Arkansas, A&M, Tennessee, LSU, Auburn even, because we can't score. I mean if we can't get more than twenty four or twenty-seven points, that's that's gonna put us in a bad situation. Maybe, but it won't be A and M. You still won't lose to AM even if Milrose
1: the freaking quarterback.
0: God dang you know, hey, we're we're gonna get into AM. Look, we we've been talking about Bama for a minute. We know the the wounds are still still fresh. There's salt being poured everywhere you looked on it on media. But you got to be realistic about your team in 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 losses and in wins. It's easy to get the blinders on. So it was a good conversation on Bama. We know what they need to do. I know Saban's got to know too. Uh, there, there's going to be some some reworking going on there. Let's uh, let's move on. We had a really good game in Lubbock, the old shootout out west. You know, out on the old uh, in the old cow towns out there, but. Number 13, Oregon, went out to Lubbock, and they won the game 38-30. to Early on, it was kind of a defensive battle. Uh, the teams, they were back and forth. Not a lot of scoring early on. But then there was gash plays, though. They still made the gash plays, just like Texas Tech and Oregon live off of. That's what they do. It kind of gets drowned out a little more, and then, boom, they hit you on a 50-yard play. They hit you on a 40-yard play. It was 18-20 late in the third. You know, at halftime it was close. And then, like I said, 18-20 late in the third. And Shug threw a dart. I mean, just an absolute great pass. Made it 27-18. They scored. You know, it was a beautiful play. But Oregon just would not die on this thing. They kept coming back. Bo Nix had a great game. He's had a hell of a turnaround from what happened in our, at Auburn. And it's another one that makes you think, is it just the system he was in? Is Auburn inept? Yeah, probably, but I mean, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to say it, but you know, we'll get on there later because uh, Auburn had a really rough game out west as well. Uh, but yeah, Nick's had a great game. He led the team. He was cold throughout the whole time. He he did not get phased, and that's why he's in the Heisman running. Uh, as much as some of us don't necessarily agree or like it, he's been he's been dealing the ball. He's been doing what he needs to do. And that team's probably going to be 10-2, and 11-1 at the end of the season. So he'll be in the conversation because he's going to put up numbers. Shug, though, he had a fine game to a point when it came to his passing. He had some good passes, but he threw detrimental picks, and he had fumbles. Fumbles. And he was their leading rusher. Texas Tech, that was my dark horse pick. I, I really thought that they were going to be different because uh, they had a really good end to the year. Brought back a lot. They, they, I think they got caught looking ahead week one, and then week two, they got there. They were so close to getting the win, but it was the turnovers. Without the turnovers, they beat Oregon, and this is a different conversation today. With a minute left in the game, he was rolling out. He got heavy pressure. He tried, he tried to get rid of the ball as he was getting hit. It floated to a dang lineman, or I think it might have been linebacker, who was up in the the mess of the line of scrimmage, and the dude ran it back to make it 38-30. And then after that, they just didn't have enough time to get it downfield. So guys, any any comments on the Oregon, Oregon, uh, excuse me, Oregon Texas Tech game?
2: Yeah, I, I felt like Texas Tech controlled the majority of the game, but like you said, the turnovers killed them. the The five was it? I think they had five total turnovers. But uh, props to Bro, uh, Bo Nix. He's made vast improvements over the last few seasons, especially since getting to Oregon. Pretty solid at the end of the year last year. But he's really come on this year. He's taking care of the football. The pick six Knicks name is not applying this year, it doesn't seem. But Oregon's offense rolled as usual, and I kind of like them in the Pac-12. It's kind of sad to say that the Pac-12 might be the best conference in college football right now. They've got a lot of strong teams and a lot of arguments that are going to be coming up in the next few weeks about getting into that top four in the playoff picture. Back to the Texas Tech game, it was a solid game. Texas Tech just blew it in the fourth quarter, and Oregon came alive.
1: Yeah, there's really not much to honestly add to this. Uh, Oregon played just a little bit better than Texas Tech in this one. Honestly, I thought both teams played well. Turnovers were the story. Turnovers always usually are the story when there's two really good teams who both played really well, but one team comes out at the top and usually the first thing everyone looks at, how many turnovers did the other team do? And in this case, I think it was five or or maybe it was four official turnovers, one, one fumble that they regained back and one fumble lost and then three interceptions. Bo, Bo Nicks was not the one that was throwing the picks or show or however you pronounce his last name. I apologize. Yeah. He did not play well. Like he played good enough where they probably would win 60% of their big 12 games. If he keeps playing like that and he throws, throws interceptions, it's just not going to work out.
0: Yeah. He's got to clean up his game. And honestly, offensively, they just need to clean it up. Uh, the running game too. Cause he- yeah, he's he's a good runner. He's versatile, but he again you got to have more running than just your quarterback. That goes for we talked about LSU uh, doing that. They, you know, same thing. You cannot have your quarterback being your lead rusher. He needs to be an element of the game, and he needs to be the threat. But to be your lead rusher almost every game, that's a problem, and it's not sustainable. I mean, they gave up sadly twenty points in the fourth quarter. To Oregon because they could not sustain turnovers fumbles ah, it's just a rough game for Texas Tech I still have faith in them for the rest of the season now'm I, I don't anymore I, I'm done with it you know I I tried I tried to have faith in the Rackham crew but it's done you guys killed it congratulations way to blow my my pre- preseason picks next up though talking about blown opportunities uh oof Golly, number 23, Texas a playing at Miami, down in old Florida. It didn't go well. 48-33 was the final score. Texas a and they started strong, too. They had really good special teams play on the punt coverage. Because <laughs> you can't talk about special teams when you have a dang kick return. But, uh, no, they, they, had a, they had a block punt. Which turned immediately into a touchdown. Then he had a muff punt. The coverage team was right on top of it. They were able to recover down in the down in the red zone again. They did what they needed to do, and they were up seventeen to seven, uh-huh. Because Miami was messing up. But once Miami got into the groove, it was over. Van Dyke he had a great game, twenty-one of thirty for three seventy-four, five touchdowns. He was he was dealing it all over the field. Texas A&M was they were there. They were within the region to, to make that tackle and stop the yak. But they could not tackle. That, that was the biggest thing I noticed from the Texas A&M game on defense was the tackling. Poor effort, arm tackles, a lot of diving, trying to make big hits instead of wrapping up. Standard fundamentals, it just didn't seem to be there. Texas A&M, the defense got them back. You know They were doing all right to a point you know they were they were in the area they they were getting some pressure uh, Van Dyke took some hits it just wasn't enough. Van Dyke was dealing that thing he he did exactly what he needed to do and then of course they had that kick return that that changed the momentum completely Wiegman did good he had a he had a really good game too he was 31 of 50 I mean it's 53 31 of 53 but still 336 uh passing yards two touchdowns and I'll say one of the interceptions he had was not his fault. The wide receiver slipped. I mean, it, it would have been a completion. You go back and look at the film. The guy, perfect, perfect placement right in the middle of the field. Receiver slipped and it went to the safety. I mean, not much the quarterback can do there, but he does get blamed. And then a fumble late and that and that was that was all she wrote. The guy is I Trevor, I know you're gonna have something to say about it uh what what do you what are you guys feeling about Texas a and m i I thought that they had a change it looked good and then until it did yeah
2: i'll just hit a few quick things and then i 'll let Trevor take it because I know he 's foaming at the mouth to get a hold of a and m but I think the story of the knots Tyler van dyke he he played a lots out game he was very consistent he did what he needed to do and a and m had no answer for it. And I honestly, I felt like the offense had gotten kind of vanilla with A&M. I kind of felt like they had reverted back to some of their old ways, you know, the two- and three-yard plays. I think Jimbo Fisher's on the hot seat. He's just not getting it done. He's had – and there's no excuse for it. He's had everything you could want as a head coach. He's had money. They've put all kinds of resources into the program for him to build something, He's getting the talent there, but this is what he does with it. He goes out and goes five and seven. And then every year, there's all this talk about AM. They're going to go to the playoffs. This is finally the year. And then they go to Miami, like I called it, and laid an egg.
1: Well, it's safe
2: to say I'm
1: never, ever picking Texas A&M to win again. I don't care if they play Florida AT. They will lose. Like, this is ridiculous. They should have won. I give all the credit in the world to Miami, but Texas A&M should have went for the throat and continued on. The second half adjustments that Miami made were absolutely outstanding. And the second half adjustments that... Texas A&M did not make to equate for what Tech Miami was doing. Even going into the fourth quarter, nothing changed. Jimbo Fisher is freaking done. He's donezo. Jimbo is donezo. This guy is a joke. I thought he was a joke. personally I thought he was a joke in Florida State. It was almost clear to me to Blake's point. It was almost clear to me that he was the one in the second half calling the plays. That he start he took over the play calling for whatever reason, because I don't feel like Petrino would be calling those vanilla plays like Blake mentioned. It just doesn't seem that way. Miami's for real though. If they come out and play like they did in that second half and do that for a full game, there's not many teams in the country that are gonna play that are gonna be able to hang with them. I personally think they they're probably now top two to top two or three, they're back into the conversation, in my opinion, after that performance with FSU and Clemson. Now, do I think they can beat them? I'm not sure. I don't – that remains to be seen. But we will find out how good they really are over the course of the season and against FSU and see if they can really take it to them. Texas A&M, you're done. You'll be be lucky to have five wins this year. I ain't going to lie to you. If Jimbo is still your coach next week, you're not going to (laughs) win. I don't even know who they play. I haven't even looked at it yet. (laughs) Uh, But, no, for real, Jimbo's Jimbo's a liability to Texas A&M because I do believe Texas A&M, they have a good quarterback. Wegman's a very good quarterback. He's a very manageable quarterback for sure. Very coachable, seems. But the dude was running around for his life. There was no coaching adjustments. The coaching in this game for Texas A&M failed the team. It was not the players or the effort. Because I think the players have all the talent in the world. I think they they play very hard. I think the coaches don't know how to make adjustments. And that's just where I sit with it.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that Miami is going to make the ACC very interesting. The Miami-Florida State game has got a star next to it now. Clemson, which we'll get to them in a minute, but I still don't know how I feel about them. But they're still in the conversation for the ACC at this point because they did make some improvements over the weekend. But Miami is definitely in the conversation now for the ACC. And I, I might have said it on our first show that I thought that they could be a potential dark horse in the ACC, but they're proving it now.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely I wrote Miami off just because of how they did last year. Uh, obviously, they, they do have talent. Uh, Restrepo had a hell of a game, uh, running back. I mean, the wheel routes, the deep deep ball catches that he was doing, really impressive. So they they've got a chance, especially if Van Dyke keeps playing the way that he does. I mean, he's a I mean he's a veteran. This guy, he should be doing this. As old as he is, as, as seasoned as he is, he should be able to tear up the ACC until it comes down to, hell, probably Duke and Florida State and Clemson. So you got four right there. I, I don't think NC State's going to be a problem. They, they look lackluster against Notre Dame. We'll get into that. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think Miami's going to be, be a problem to a point moving forward. Uh, I still I, – Tam, you should have won that dang game. But they screwed themselves. They blew it. Yeah, the fumbles—you you can't necessarily, you know, deal with every single fumble. It was a perfectly placed helmet on the ball. Yeah, the, the game—they let the game get away from them, and that—that's just how it is. A&M still has every opportunity in the, you know, in the SEC to to cause noise. I think they can. They've got the talent to do it. They need to clean up their mistakes. They need to fix what's going on. Uh, I Wigman's going to be fine. I mean, he he's been fine since he started playing last year. So they, they've got a chance. Uh, I will say it's looking a little gloomy over, over there in college station, but they still have an opportunity to make some noise because the West of the sec is wide open. Ole Miss. All right. Bama's good. They're, I mean, obviously talented, but they got problems. Mississippi state's got problems. Look, just, it's gonna be wide open, guys. Just wait for it. Just wait for it. Shit's gonna go down. <laughs> Sorry. It's gonna happen. I. It's just this year. This feels like a strange year. Maybe not 2007 ish, but it. It just feels funky. Trevor, I know you, you, what, you got there, something there, else there, there
1: there there may be me. a storm brewing in Texas A but I say a hurricane just went through there.
0: <laughs> you know what? Give this man a. He he's owed a dollar. I well know done. You never well done. left.
2: She never left.
0: She's still hanging around. Oh, man. So we'll, we'll get on from, from Texas a and uh, Moving on, guys. Colorado, America's maybe not sweetheart. I don't know. A lot of people like them. A lot of people hate them. They're tired of it already. Uh, and Colorado, Nebraska, number 22, Colorado. They're one of our movers. They they jumped up further. They won 36-14. to 14. Really, to me, there's not even much to talk about on this game. Because Nebraska sucks on offense. Simply, they suck. There's not, they, you can't say anything else about it. Their defense was let down by Jeff Sims. Oh, golly, I, I just don't understand it. They, there's got to be somebody better than him. Yes, he is a talented runner. He scored a touchdown for him. Good job. He, he ran. But that man forced, he had fumbles, picks what what else do you need to see to bench this dude throwing a freaking walk on pull somebody from the crowd. I guarantee you there's a dude that's playing intramural that can throw better than that. You know, it's gotta be something though. Either way, that's the tail of the game is Jeff Sims, the fumbles, the picks, Nebraska had a really good defense. So they, I'll say it's still Colorado. How good is TCU? We don't know yet. How good is Nebraska? We know their defense is solid. They did it against Minnesota too but their offense is atrocious. If they had any semblance of, of an offense, I bet they probably still win that game or it turns into another shootout like against TCU. And, you know, you still have Shador Sanders trying to throw for 500 because they can't run the ball either. So I don't trust Colorado still. We still need to wait uh, on how they are. But Shador is the truth. That, that dude's a beast. 31 of 42. Almost 400 yards passing, two touchdowns, but again with sacks, with run everything. Their team still only had 58 rushing yards on offense last year. Last week it was 55. It is not sustainable. I don't care who I don't care who you are, boys. What What are your thoughts, Trevor? I know you're you're big on Colorado. I still see them six and six, seven and five. Go ahead. Thought they
1: were really good. I I thought they played. Exactly the way they needed to play. Colorado, for the lack of a better term, played, for the most part, mistake-free football. And that's all you can ask for your offense. And their defense, while I get Nebraska played horribly on offense, I feel like that a lesser defense would still give up more yards than what Colorado did. And Colorado's defense did what they had to do, and got stops. That's all you can ask your defense to do. At this point, I don't know if they're really for real or not, but their offensive, offensive production is pretty good. You're right, the lack of a running game is a bit concerning. There's not much you can do about it other than keep trying to run. But in 2 you're playing Colorado State next week. You're playing Oregon the following week. We're about to find out very quickly. If Colorado is for real, as of right now, I believe that they're for real to a certain degree. Do I think that they can go into Oregon and get after it? I don't know if I have that kind of confidence, but I think it'll be a better game than most people probably predict, because I think Colorado is, uh, as of right now, in most people's eyes, a mid-tier team. They don't consider them top tier even in the Pac twelve right now. I thought Shadur played great. I mean, the what he what kind of tear he is on right now, I'm be surprised if he can do it. But if he sustains it for majority of the year, we will be talking about him as a, a Heisman contender and if they have a you know a fairly decent record. But I mean, if they don't win the Pac twelve, obviously there's probably not much of a chance for him to actually win the Heisman. But I commend Colorado for having a very good game plan and really taking it to a big 10 team because at the end of the day, it's still a big 10 team with big 10 players and they do compete. They did win games last year. That's all I I can go off of. And I think Colorado did a good job.
2: Yeah. I'd actually, uh, I'd got up to go throw away some trash. And when I opened the lid to my can, a hand stuck out and said, hi, my name is Jeff Sims. I'll take your trash for you. Because the dude is straight garbage. He is. He's on like Milrow level of awful quarterbacks. But Colorado, about whether are they for real or are they not, they've got a really good offense. It clicks on all cylinders. They can score with anybody, I think. Nebraska's defense is one of the better defenses they'll, they'll play on the season. They've got big players up front for Nebraska, and I thought they handled it fairly well for the size matchup, I mean, that Nebraska's got them. And Colorado didn't hesitate. You know, they went right at them, and they put up 36. The turnover certainly helped them. I'm with you, Brendan. I, when they get into the meat of the schedule, can they beat Oregon, USC, Washington? I don't know. Can they score with them? Sure. At some point, they're going to meet a team that stops their offense. And they're going to have to be – they're going to have to have a ground game. They're going to have to be able to control the clock. They're not going to be able to throw 45, 50 passes a game, 400, 500 yards. They're going to have to get a run game going. Or they're not going to be able to keep up with teams like USC, Oregon. So I like Colorado. I think they're a solid team. They're doing way better than I expected them to do. And I do think they're going to have a successful season – but until I see them play the Oregons and the USC's in the meat of the Pac-12, it's just hard to say because they're still an unknown until they faced a, a bigger tier team.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. And we thought Nebraska maybe could be that this year, the their first true test. But it all depended on the quarterback play. And <laughs> we we see how that's going. Uh, they did do well against their defense because Nebraska does a good defense. But I don't know. Next test coming up real quick. Trevor? Yeah,
1: yeah real no, quick, wait. just so you guys can hear this, it's Colorado State next, then Oregon, then USC, then Arizona State, and then Stanford, and then UCLA, and then Oregon State. That The meat of the schedule is the whole schedule. Their schedule is not a nice schedule for them for being a team that's been put together this year so i'm really gonna be looking at this schedule this schedule is rough like just looking at the schedule i don't think they have an easy game on the schedule maybe arizona but even they're playing really good right now so i don't think there's a week once they get into the pac 12 where they can take it off because they got wazoo second to last game and then utah to end their season (laughs)
0: like there's no break Whatsoever. Yeah, no, they they don't have a break, and we're 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 gonna find out who they are real quick. We have an idea. We know they're explosive, but can they be consistent and balanced to win a game when they need to? Can they churn the clock out when they need to? That four minute offense. We know they can do a two minute offense, but that four six minute running the thing down, running that clock down. We shall see, Ole Miss. Tulane that was another good game that was on the schedule but right right before kickoff I think is you know maybe the night before we found out that Pratt wasn't going to be able to play and that's just that immediate dagger straight into the heart of Tulane they didn't play like it though they played like they that he was still there they couldn't drive the way that they needed to because they had a backup quarterback and Horton didn't do horrible well, he didn't do great either, you know. He had 15 of 37. That's all right. He he was throwing some really good passes. He had 231 yards, one touchdown, one pick. But it's not enough to beat an SEC defense, especially Ole Miss, who we know has talent. But I'll tell you who uh Makai Hughes, he he had a really good game. He had 23 rushes for 92 yards and a touchdown. He kept them alive, really. Yeah, the final was 37 to 20. It was back and forth, really, for, for most of the half, even into the third. Tulane's offense just didn't have enough firepower at the quarterback position to set up their wide receivers where they needed to be to get them into that winning position. Uh, it's probably a different game if you have Pratt. I, I guarantee it would be. And you could probably honestly say that Tulane might have walked away with that one. That's tough to deal with. Guys.
2: The reoccurring theme of the weekend – was teams blowing fourth-quarter leads. Tulane, they played well most of the game. Ole Miss, they still got a lot of question marks. They struggled to run the football. I don't know that I'm as high on Ole Miss now as I originally was this season. I think Tulane gave them everything they could handle, and I agree with you, Brendan. Pratt plays, I think they walk away with that game. If you play Tulane, let a backup quarterback do that to you,
1: you're done, son. Ole Miss ain't gonna ain't gonna be what I thought they were gonna be. I thought they were gonna take out LSU and potentially even go after be a contender against Georgia, and I just don't think that they. I, they're they're at least not there yet. I don't know, that's where I feel about a, a Ole Miss uh, Tulane impressed the crap out of me, considering that they had a backup quarterback. Um, they. They handled the, diver- the the adversity very well, as far as I can
0: tell. All right, guys. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Ole Miss, they've got some work to do, especially getting into the heart of that schedule. Another team out in the SEC that had to travel out to the West, had some problems, Callan and Auburn, kind of a slop uh, slot fest. As as the kids are saying, the battle of mid it was no bueno. They they just couldn't do it. 14 to 10, Auburn. Cal should have had the game, honestly. But Auburn's got Peyton Thorne at quarterback. The 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 MSU here now. Now he's horrible at MSU. Why is he starting at Auburn? I don't understand it. This guy, he just cannot throw the football. He was nine of 14 for 94 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. All right, yeah, two, two touchdowns. Wonderful. Good for you. 94 passing yards against California. What is going on in Auburn? Hugh Freeze has got to figure something out. I mean, really not much to say on that game. It was ugly.
2: I thought Cal's defense played fairly well, forcing the four turnovers. They just didn't have any offensive anything. They could not get anything going, couldn't get in the end zone. They had some speed in Jaden He He, at times, you know, I thought he was just going to break loose, and he never did. But Auburn, they've got a lot of work to do on offense and defense. But given the circumstances, they played well enough to win that game on the road at night. I I mean, they did what they had to do to win. And Hugh Freeze will get them going in the right direction. I – as much as I hate to say it, I like him. I've always been a fan of Hugh Freeze. The man knows how to win games. And I think Auburn got a good coach. So I think in the future, Auburn's going to be a team to to watch and worry about, especially in the SEC. But that's all I've really got on that game.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. And Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Freeze is a good coach. He's, he's a very good offensive mind. He's going to find ways to get them – the talent that they need, but right now it's just not, you know, they, they plugged and they, they played who they could out of the transfer portal and yeah, they got to win. So that they did what they needed to do. Uh, it, once they get into that, the SEC schedule though, I am, I'm pretty worried about them. I uh, moving on another game that was kind of, it felt lackluster to me. I watching it out, I, I think it might be the rain, but number 10, Notre Dame, at NC State. Yeah, the score shows otherwise. At the end, it was 45 to 24. But in the beginning, they had a rain delay for two hours. It was really sloppy and fumbles and running. But Notre Dame still did what they needed to do. And they got up 17 to 7 at half against Notre Dame. Or right, excuse me, <laughs> cut that out um, against NC State. But then in the third quarter, kind of got close. NC State started making a move. They started trying to get some, some momentum going. Their defense started standing tall. But then they had turnovers, and that killed any momentum that they had. Notre Dame capitalized. They did everything that they needed to do to finish this game out, and NC State never had a chance afterwards. Hartman, he had a good game for being in the rain and, you know, the delays and, and that thrown-off groove. He was 15 of 24 for 286, and he still had four passing touchdowns. Ball placement looked fine. So Notre Dame, they're going to keep moving up. They, they seem to have a, a strong team. Uh, I, how good, I don't know. but Still,
2: they look improved from last year. Guys, I'm not saying that Notre Dame is – a playoff contender or a national championship contender or anything like that, but they are a team that every week I feel like they're improving and they're getting better and better. And they're, I think by the end of the season, they could be a scary team. Sam Hartman's getting more and more comfortable each week. I know Trevor don't like the guy. Trevor has something against leprechauns, but they're an improving team and I think they're going to make some noise. Yeah, apparently I'm crazy for not making
1: uh of allowing Notre Dame to be bumped up from ten, but I don't think I still think that they're a bit overrated. Uh, they haven't played anybody. NC State's okay. They're not even mid tier to me, in my opinion. As in the ACC of all places, I think there's multiple a multitude of teams that are better than NC State. I don't think NC State played well. I thought that Notre Dame played did what they were supposed to do. They 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 want to be considered elite, then you don't let NC State play play with you. You knock them out, you knock them out early and you keep them down. Sam Hartman is a manageable quarterback. He's always he's he was a good thrower at weight. There's no doubt about it. He's a good thrower no matter what. I think that he's going to definitely benefit uh, The Notre Dame offense is definitely benefiting from him being there. I just don't think that they have the muscle, for lack of a better term, to hang with USC and beat them. I think at the end of the day, even if they were to run the table all the way to the USC game, they lose against USC, in my opinion.
0: Notre Dame has the opportunity. Yes, they've got to continue what they're doing, continue leaning on that run, and getting Hartman. You know that that momentum. Just keep building it. A team that's losing momentum. North Carolina, UNC, number seventeen. North Carolina. They went to App State. They had a knockdown, dragout fight, double overtime, and won forty to thirty-four. And they're one of the losers in the AP poll. Why? Because they look sloppy. And other teams look much better. Drake May, fine game, but nothing to write home about. I mean, this is a game that he should have blown the doors off of them. The ground game now, that sure as hell worked. I mean, Omarion Hampton, he had 26 carries, 234 yards, and three touchdowns. So yeah, we talked about that in our season preview was that UNC, they wanted to have a stronger running game. They showed a little bit of that against South Carolina. They had a really good game against App State. App State had a decent ground game still, so I'm a little bit worried about NC State's defense. They gave up 219 on the ground to App State. But really, uh, in this game, the score didn't open up until the third. After that, it was back and forth scoring and... You know, sloppy, but still getting points. And then at the very end of the game, in in overtime, NC State or uh, UNC was up. App State went for a a shot to the end zone, and they grabbed the receiver and pulled him down. No flag thrown. It was four. It was fourth down. Game over. I think App State should have had another shot at it. Uh, Go back and look at it. Ball don't lie. Stats don't lie. Uh, one of our friends would say that from back in the day. But either way, UNC, they should have probably lost this game. They're going to drop, and I think they're going to probably drop three, maybe four games this season. I just – I don't trust them. I don't trust what they're doing. If Now, if they keep the ground game going, good for them, but I just don't trust them, guys.
2: Yeah, I almost picked App State as my upset of the week and almost gridlocked it. The only thing that kept me from it is I thought North Carolina coming off the South Carolina victory would ride that momentum into this game because this is an in-state, you know, it's a rivalry. I mean, not technically, but it's an in-state matchup. It's probably a rivalry between the teams. I just thought it would be one-sided, honestly. I know App State's one of those teams that they can always keep it close, and they pull upsets left and right. They are the upset team of college football y'all know that from experience our friend jacob knows that from experience and north carolina almost learned again this season from them but yeah i agree with you on everything you said it was uh app state got robbed at the end of that game that they should have had another opportunity i seen the replay on it yeah i mean, even espn was saying there should have been another opportunity there. So North Carolina's they're choking. They're like bee rabbit in the beginning of eight mile. Absolutely right. North Carolina is
1: overrated and they will not be in the top 25 before the end of this year. They will be out of the top 25 within the next three or four weeks. the I don't know. the—the the, What I watched against App State was not a Heisman contender was not a, a top ten team, which everyone was touting. Everybody was like, UNC's back. they they're well, back. They were never there. They're they're definitely not what everyone thought they were going to be. Drake May is certainly not what everyone thought he was he was going to be. UNC's just not it. They're 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 not going to be contending. The way the weekend went, Miami solidified themselves as the third third team. UNC solidified themselves as not being a contender for the championship.
0: Now, I'd have to go back, but I'm pretty sure we listed them as a pretender when we talked about you know, our conference, you know, dark horses, pretenders, contenders. I'm pretty sure UNC was up there. I'd have to go back and check, but I'm like 99% right, 95% of the time. Uh, just asked my wife. So, guys, I'm thinking about doing a little speed round here on some of these games. Uh, chime in whenever you want to, or you know, at the end it doesn't matter. We just got a couple of games left that we're going to talk about. So number one, Utah and Baylor. Uh, obviously, Utah is not number one. If you heard that wrong? Utah is number twelve. They played like it to a point. Their defense is very good. I think they have a strong defense to continue to run, but they got to get Cam Rising back, or even playing Nate Johnson might be the 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 thing because. <laughs> Barnes, oh, t- terrible game. Six of nineteen, seventy-one yards, and one interception. I'm shocked they didn't lose this game. But they're be be grateful, Utah fans, that you went up against a horrible Baylor team. I don't know how they. I don't, I don't know how you beat Florida. That must mean Florida's horrible beyond measure. But uh, either way, Nate Johnson. As soon as he got in, the game turned around. They were able to score in the fourth. And, uh, you know, save their season, really. Utah, they had 224 rushing yards, so they're going to be able to run it. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a good defense. they got to get that quarterback play. So if Nate Johnson is it moving forward, he needs to be until Cam Rising gets back. Utah won that game 20-13. to 13. Disappointing for the Big Ten West, but, you know, that's the story for the last, what, 10 years? Wisconsin, they go out. Tawazoo, old Washington State, beautiful part of the country, took a loss. They went down 31-22, and really it seemed it was over early for Wisconsin. They had every opportunity in this game to showcase Tanner Mordecai after what he did at SMU. I know the level of play is different, but he still dealt that ball there. He was a wonderful quarterback. I just don't know if the team is fit for the system yet. Uh, I don't want to make a direct comparison because I, but I, it reminds me a little bit of a Rich Rod coming into Michigan trying to run that type of offense in the defense with old school Big Ten players, the big big uglies, the thick boys that you know back in the linebacker core, trying to run a speed three three five. Or you had you know Sheridan running you know tr- the 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 read option. That's not going to happen. So. Let's give. let's get, give, I'm, I'm willing to give Wisconsin some time with fickle because I think fickle is a good coach and I, I think they're going to get it done. But right now the players are not built for the system. Even Braylon Allen, elite running. I mean, this dude is a hell of a running back. He's, I think he's, his mind is out of it. I think he's realized that he probably should have transferred in the off season. And I think he's going to probably sit out the rest of the year from kind of stuff that I'm seeing as well as, as his lack of play in this game. But back to the gameplay, this actual the actual battle. Second quarter, Washington State, they had some really good, really good plays. They jumped out to a 24-6 lead. I mean, right there we all thought it was done. But Malusi and Mordecai started coming back. They started making these deep balls. They started getting Mordecai into a, a rhythm. Got it to 24-22 with Washington State up, but they uh, Wisconsin failed the two-point conversion. And after that, in the fourth quarter, Malusi fumbled it, and the game was over from there. Cam Cam Ward had a great game for Washington State, put a dagger right in the heart of, of Wisconsin, and it was over. He had, a, he had a gutsy game, really really big run from, from midfield to, to end that drive. Earlier than that, we had a Friday night game, which I was really excited for. I'd say probably one of my games that I was truly looking forward to this weekend was Illinois-Kansas. Not because I think Illinois is good. I just like the colors and the the jersey combos and, you know, Kansas, Illinois. It's kind of fun. Kansas went out, whooped them 34-23. The score was not as close, or the game was not as close as the score might allow. It never felt close from the beginning. Jalen Daniels had a great game, 21 of 29 for 227, two touchdowns. Yeah, he had a pick, but still, it was 21-0 before halftime. Illinois had zero pulse. And it was really until Altmeyer ran a, a seventy five yard touchdown at the end, uh to make it thirty-four to seven. After that, they had backups in and Illinois tried to try to make some sort of a comeback against backups and it just wasn't gonna happen. But guys, that was a quick speed round on kind of the games that happened. You have anything to comment on on any of those games?
2: Quarterback, he did what was expected of him. His his numbers weren't flashy, but I think they played a solid Wisconsin team and not a lot of people was picking Washington state. I mean, a few did, but everybody I was seeing was thinking Wisconsin was going to go in, run it down their throat, keep them off the field and walk away with it. And I honestly halfway thought that was a possibility, but I'm a fan of Cam Ward. I think he's a good player. I think he's a uh, one of the showstoppers of the Pac-12 Maybe not on Michael Penick's level, but he's he's a highlight reel, and I like him. I think he's going to do big things this season.
1: Yeah, um, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on. <clears throat> First of all, I am kind of disappointed. I know this is kind of way off topic. It's not about necessary games. I'm super disappointed that Kansas didn't Kansas didn't make it in the top 25. I really was hoping for it. <clears throat> I think that they are playing great ball, and I think that I'm excited to see w- the way their season plays out. <clears throat> my dark horse, I'm still rooting for him. Still rooting for him. Illinois, you're dead to me. Uh, second thing, uh, I also wanted to give a shout-out to Louisville for taking care of business at 56-0 against Murray State. They're my dark horse as well, and they are my fourth best team in the ACC jumping UNC, hands down. And I'm also very excited about October 7th when Notre Dame comes into Louisville and gets beat by Louisville.
0: But I'm just throwing that out there. You cheeky little devil, man! That's a big pick right there. Hold on now. Hold on now. We're calling games way out. I like it. Committed. I it. Committed. Oh. Yeah. So that that's a that's a bold pick, man. And really, there were some other good games. Mississippi State walked away with a win against Arizona, who I I think is a good team. I like Jed Fish a lot. Obviously, he was Michigan connection, but he just he kind of has that that style, that the coaching uh, you know, platform mantra that I like. So good for Mississippi State on that win. Really, guys, that there were some other ones throughout, but re- that was the, that was the meat of the schedule, and it was a big one. Week three is looking a little less you know, not not as bold as week two was, not the marquee matchups, but I think there will still be some good games. Starting off Thursday night, you know, kind of a walkthrough. It's, it's, we're going to get two games. We got Bethune Cookman at Miami, number 22 Miami. That should be a easy cakewalk for Miami. Not even going to be a game. And then you got Navy at Memphis. Let's see what Navy is uh, a little bit more uh, on their skill level. I, I still think Memphis probably walks away with that one. Friday night though, a couple of games I'm kinda of excited about. Virginia at Maryland. Virginia's not good. Tennessee, they were touting that way. Oh, it was a power five win. Yeah, we beat we beat Virginia. No, man, Virginia's not good. Sorry, Maryland's gonna walk that one. Army at UTSA though, that's one that I'm I'm kind of excited to see, especially after their army just put up I think fifty nine points. Last weekend. So they, they were airing it out. What's going on? This is what we thought Navy was going to be doing. But no, Army's got it. Uh, UTSA is 11-point favorites there. And then Utah State at Air Force. Air Force is 9-point favorites in that one. Uh, going for the Chair Force to win that one. Uh, Army, show us what you got, man. We we, we want to root for our boys in, you know, in green, and let, let's get that dub. But uh boys that that's all I got on on that week. We're obviously going to cover all the other games for week three uh, later in this week when we do our next show. but tonight is again about really the bama game Texas game. who can recover they've still everybody's got their games in front of them they've all got chances in front of them to make that playoff uh final thoughts on this on week two gentlemen anything? I'll tell you what,
1: only final thought I really have, Texas A&M is a joke, and they are going to lose more games than they win this year. <laughs> that is all I really have to say about that. No, really, it was a great weekend, a super exciting weekend, honestly. A lot of unexpected twists and turns, and the top 25. I'm not exactly a fan of this one as much as I was of last week's AP top 25 voting. I think that there were some misses, but all in all, I don't, I mean, there's not much room for argument. I mean, the teams that are in, they earned it for the most part. I'm just glad that no, no team that really uh, outside of Alabama, I think, I think Alabama dropped a little lower than what they should have personally, but and UNC, UNC that's my those are my three big takeaways. UNC isn't what they are. Texas A&M certainly is not going to be anything special and the top 25 probably had some uh had some room for improvement,
2: we'll say. Just kicking the ribs of A&M. <clears throat> they yeah, they they're in trouble. I think Fisher's on the hot seat. If he does not get it together, he he should have won a national championship with some of these rosters he's had, and a lot of other coaches would have if they had the rosters he's had over the past few years. So I, I think you're going to start hearing that more and more throughout the season about Fisher on the hot seat. And it, it kind of shocks me <clears throat> bringing in Petrino, and I'm not seeing – the classic Petrino offense on the field. I still, you know, last week they, they looked good against the nobody, but the offense looked different than it had looked in seasons past. This weekend, it just looked like Texas A&M again to me. So I, I'm, I'm with you, Trevor. I wonder if Fisher took the reins back for whatever reason. I don't know. But it just didn't look right. So we'll see how AM pans out. Alabama, got a lot of work to do. I hope to see another quarterback starting Saturday. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I hope it does. If it don't, four or five losses for Bama.
0: Yeah, anything is possible. Like I said, the SEC West is wide open. Georgia, we know they're, they're great talent. But they haven't played anybody yet. Same with Michigan. We don't know who one and two are. We know what they were. We know we can see that they're they're good team. They've got talent. But when it comes down to who the character of the team is, can they do it when they face a test? We're still not going to know that for a little while. But guys, we'll, we'll get all into that later. So thank you guys again for listening. We appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, if you got questions, if you got anything, shoot us – You know, shoot it at us. We appreciate you guys. Holler at us on social media. Let us know some questions. We'd like to to answer them. We finally got 100 followers on Twitter, so that's pretty cool. So, cheers, gentlemen. Y'all, have a good one and good night.